0: Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday. Um, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to hear the wind in the background. I'm sitting here in the in the church office, and it is whipping out there. Um, so uh, hopefully it won't get picked up too much on, on the microphone and mess us up. Um, what we're going to be looking at uh, today is a summary of our class last Wednesday night. Um, last Wednesday, our midweek class meets in the sanctuary. It was on March 23rd. And we looked at the passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 2 through 16. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 through 16. I'm going to give you a moment um, to press pause and read that and then get back together uh, with us and we'll talk about it a little bit. Now, before you read this, I just want to give you a heads up this passage is going to sound a little foreign. It really is, um, and we're going to discuss that and and see what uh, this passage can mean for us today, because um, it's, it's one of those passages that can kind of be, oh, um, well, we need to be careful about doing this. It's a slippery slope, but it's one of those passages that we can look at the teaching within it and see that there is very much a cultural flavor of the day involved. Um, that, that does not um, straight across apply to our day and our time and our culture. Like I said, we've got to be very careful about doing that. We'll speak about that here in just a moment. But this is one of those passages that fits into that category. So um, just press pause on your player there. Um, take the time to read again 1 Corinthians 11, 2-16, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay. Hopefully, you've had the time to take a look at that. A few things here before we jump into this topic of of women and veils. Um, as, as strange as that sounds, that's kind of what this whole this whole um, particular su- this whole particular passage is about. But before we jump into that, there's something we do need to highlight. Um, Paul, whether through, well, definitely through the correspondence, whether it's in the form of questions or just in the form of reports back to him of what's going on in the church in Corinth, Um, he, in in the next, really, the next few chapters, we're going to spend a lot of time in spiritual gifts, but we're not quite there yet, but... What we're going to look at specifically um, in these next couple of chapters are, are some things that are taking place when, when some of the house churches there in Corinth come together in a bigger assembly, um, in, in a more of a, kind of a larger, more of a corporate um, church setting. And remember, church doesn't have anything to do with, with, with a building or a location. It has to do with a larger group of people, um, in this case, coming together, where normally they probably meet in smaller groups in people's homes. Okay, so in this, he's going to bring up some things that they are doing well. He's going to congratulate them on those things. And then he's also going to um, uh, criticize some of the things that that they are doing as well. Um, So as you look through that passage, I'm sure you're thinking in the back of your mind, what does this have to do with us today? Well, we're going to dig into that here just a little bit. But before we do that, what I want you to remember is when we get to the end of chapter 14, Of 1st Corinthians we're going to reach back to this passage to provide a little more context as to what Paul is talking about in the end of 1st Corinthians 14 and it too has to do with women in a more of a corporate church setting and we cannot get the whole story if we don't reach back to this part of his letter when we look at that part of his letter but we'll leave that for later Um, as I said uh, There are some now. There's not a bunch of them, but there are times within the New Testament and the Old Testament as well that we'll see teaching directed to a people that seems, um, in some ways, outdated. um, Maybe time-wise, maybe more so culturally speaking. Obviously, a lot of what the instruction that is given to um, to God's people in the Old Testament was fulfilled through Christ. That's that's why we don't, um, on a regular basis, go to a synagogue or to a temple or something along those lines and offer sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice fulfilled all of that and put an end to it. Um, Now, you don't want to apply that to a whole lot of the New Testament teaching because we're still living in a New Testament period. But remember, a lot of the New Testament was written specifically to an audience of first century people in Uh, in the other part of the world, the Mideast part of the world. I mean, a long ways away, um, different culture, different um, languages, a lot of different things taking place. And what I mean by, just to to spell this out to you and give you an example, Paul in this passage talks about how long hair is a glory to women. So does that mean if a woman doesn't allow her hair to grow long that God is going to be um, disappointed with that? He's not representing uh, as his one of his creations, representing him well? Well, let me ask you this. What about women who can't grow a head of hair like that? Um, I mean, this is written to first century Mediterranean women who had a very, very, um, oh goodness, some would probably even call it luxurious hair. I mean, thick, dark, full hair um, that, that that would grow and grow and grow. There are some women in parts of this world, that's not even what their hair looks like or what it can look like. So that is a cultural thing. Now, the other thing on top of this is in this passage, Paul makes it clear that women outside of the church setting, okay, so we're talking about women in the marketplace or or women um, in any type of public setting, uh, it was even in the Greek, the Greco-Roman, the Roman Greek culture, it was not something that was looked well upon if a woman did not have her head covered. As a matter of fact, some of the women who did that quite regularly were prostitutes. So when you see this, you begin to apply that culture into a setting. So when those women come into a corporate church setting, okay they're in church and and their heads are not covered that is going to be noticed by the general public of pagans those who are not believers and i'll tell you what um, by this time and it would even get more strong in the decades to come there were already some pretty nasty rumors floating around out there about the church, the followers of Jesus, uh, that they were incestuous because they were brothers and sisters and they married. Well, of course, we know that they're brothers and sisters in Christ, but that got blown out of proportion. They were cannibals because they ate the, the body and blood of a human being or human beings, which got blown up from we share in communion, which is not the body and blood of Jesus, but it is something that reminds us of that. So you can see how these rumors would blow up. And become a very real um, thing that the church would have to deal with, and it would put a black eye to the church, which is un, which should not was undeserved. And Paul is is saying this: Don't let any of these things be a stumbling block for anyone coming to the Lord. Now that in mind, let me ask you this question: Would making women veil in a public church setting. Let's say this coming Sunday morning at Deering Christian Church, we let it be known through social media and through signs on the door that the only women who could come and be a part of the service were those who who wore a, a veil. And by a veil, I mean something that would cover all of their head down past their shoulders. That's the only way. Now, let me ask you this. If we made that the rule here, would that be a stumbling block in our culture? The answer is absolutely, and Paul was all about removing stumbling blocks. So here is the question. What do we do with teaching from the New Testament that looks to be cultural of the author's day? Um, what do we do with this? I mean, is there some teaching in the New Testament that does not apply to us? Understand, let's listen closely. This is, this is going to be very important culture can contribute to practice. When I mean practice, I'm talking about what takes place within a corporate church setting. In other words, what I'm getting at is this, having an electric guitar and drums on the stage, that is not sinful. Okay. Um, Making a worship service more contemporary, that is not sinful. It's not. Um, So culture can contribute, influence, practice. What culture cannot do within a Bible-believing, God-honoring church is culture cannot redefine truth that is found in God's Word. So here's the question. Where is the line drawn between cultural acceptance and the compromising of truth? And really, it honestly just comes down to this sin is the correct answer sin does not change over time and when culture tries to tell christians that this is this is not wrong or this that we you see as right, we consider wrong. When culture tries to flip that upside down, which we see that a lot taking place in our culture, but don't don't think it's anything new. This has been going on for centuries, millenniums even. Okay. Culture cannot redefine truth. And culture cannot take what is sin and say this is no longer sin. Okay? That is something we very much have to remember. Truth is objective. It goes past the lines of culture and through the centuries of time. Truth is truth. And interestingly enough, if you look a little deeper into what Paul is attacking here in Corinth, it isn't just that women were not wearing veils or head coverings in service. What this had to do more with is the pride that existed within the church in Corinth. They seemingly were the only church. Paul didn't write in this language to any other church. It seemed like they were the only ones doing this. And Corinth had a way, um, in more than one occasion, we see from these letters that Paul writes to them, of saying, oh, we're just going to do it different. We're just going to do it different. And um, we're just going to kind of make up our own rules when it comes to some of these things. Okay? And that comes down to the sin of pride. So even there, it boiled down to pride. So these are the things I want all of us to remember from this passage. Most important, Okay? Culture can contribute to practice when it comes to church, but culture cannot redefine truth. We must remember that. All right, so as we take, this is a Tuesday, so tomorrow night we'll be meeting. That'll be March 30th, and we'll be meeting at seven o'clock in the sanctuary for, um, for class. We'd love to have you. We'll be looking at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. I'm not sure we're going to be able to make it through that entire passage. That's a pretty good chunk, but we're going to do the best that we can to do that. And what we're going to be looking at Is the Lord's Supper. And something else that the church in Corinth was not doing very well in practice when they came together as a body, as as a church body, um, Paul is going to uh, criticize that. And then he moves from that right on into um, what communion is about. And really, um, probably one of the more well known passages of Scripture, if not the most well known passage of Scripture, um, that pertains to how we go about communion comes from what we'll be taking a look at at um, tomorrow night in the end of chapter 11. So I hope you can join us. We'll have a meal at six o'clock, um, followed by classes for all ages. If you haven't been able to join us before, um, you've had the opportunity to listen to these summaries on the podcast, so you are up to date. Don't let that keep you away. We'd absolutely love to have you. Have a good evening. Hopefully see you tomorrow night.